This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Dembele on 101.9 High FM. Tonight's uh, topic is really around what has been in the media space. Uh, I felt it was important for us to recalibrate that kind of conversation, uh, which is around the resignations of top of, of, of senior or you know uh, CEOs in parastatals. We have noted that uh, the CEO of ESCOM um, has resigned. The CEO of um, SA has resigned. And, and it's very important for us to know, or in fact, it's actually concerning, not only to an ordinary South African, but every single person, um, you know, who have got, who really matters, need to be worried about that. And on, on a line will be joined by Mr. Bonang Mahano, who is the champion of, um, business in this country. We all know that when Mr. Bonang Mahale, uh, echo certain views, the whole world listened, and we are privileged to have him on board just to get a perspective from him, uh, or a perspective of business leadership in South Africa, uh, through him, in terms of what does he make of the resignation. May personally just to put this in, in context, uh, both these entities, just the two of them, you know, have received significant bailouts. Um, um, SAA just received 5 billion rents, as well as uh, ESCOM, 69 billion over a three-year period. And suddenly these leaders, you know, vanish. Uh, when, when they vanish, the strategy, which they probably would have been part of the orchestration, suddenly, um, uh, you know, the, the ship has no captain. On that note, let me take this opportunity to welcome Ndadabonang Mahale and say good evening and welcome to Beyond Governance. Thank you so very much for having me. Let me start first by apologizing that I'm nowhere near the landline. So I'm taking this on myself. I hope you can hear me. Lauren Kienter, thank you very much. The good Lord is kind. Let's just hope everything proceeds smoothly. Thank you, sir. So for, from business leadership South Africa's side, clearly the resignation of two African CEOs from two of the bigger SOEs and SOCs in the form of ESCOM and SAA is sad, tragic, and regrettable. So, first and foremost, we realize, recognize, and emphasize the fact that this is but the beginning of the consequences of years of state capture, we are yet to see more. Number two, I think let us be intellectually honest. In the spirit of the new dawn, in the spirit of Tumamina, to say all these challenges in all these SOEs and SOCs, the fundamental root cause is the shareholder. We need to talk critically, crucially, but most importantly, courageously about role definition and role clarity. We need to talk about the fact that had we not been captured, we should have adequately capitalized these SOEs and SOC. Thirdly, we need to say that giving them these confusing 
dual mandate of both development and commercial does not help, especially when you're under pressure, you measure them only on the commerciality of the relationship. Lastly, I think moving forward, we now have an opportunity to be absolutely explicit as a shareholder as to what do we want from these entities? Therefore, what mandate do we give them? How should they execute on this mandate? In what period of time? And what will be the measurement? Let me give you an example. At ESCOM, for instance, we are saying we must break up ESCOM into at least two, maybe up to a maximum of three. And yet, we have not been explicit about giving that mandate to the board and indeed to the CEO of ESCO. Number two, we need to be absolutely explicit about who is going to be held finally accountable for the implementation and the execution of this strategy. Because we know that ESCO has developed a turnaround plan They have not even had an opportunity to present it, but now they have no less than three committees that are overseeing them over and above the board and the DPE minister and the president on the one hand. So lastly, I have no doubt that nobody will succeed in these SOEs and SOCs until and unless we clean up our own house as the shareholder first and foremost before we start another executive search. Because this is not only a poisoned chalice, but we are setting up, especially these African CEOs, for absolute failure. I'm back to you. Dr. Mahale, thank you very much for that uh, uh, breathtaking insight. Um, I just perhaps maybe want to acknowledge and appreciate uh, your perspective from business, which I think is quite commendable, in that firstly, the failures of most SOEs are as a result of the shareholder. The shareholder, if is not in the position to steer and guide SOEs, particularly from what you may refer, what you refer to as dual mandates. SOEs, you either hold them to account on the social imperatives or on the commercial lines. So once they are confusion from what I'm hearing you, once there's confusion as to what is it, which mandate take precedent in as far as ESCOM is concerned, in as far as SAE is concerned? Are we holding them accountable on the basis of the social imperative mandate or are we holding them, are we holding them account on a commercial? If it's going to be on a commercial imperative, obviously there are certain parameters that needs to follow. If I hear you correctly, until unless we rectify that conundrum, we are likely to see um, you know, a different path of SOEs. Dembele, you are absolutely correct. But let me be more insistent and persuasive. You see, all of us, collectively, as social partners, must accept that we have not succeeded in eradicating the legacy of apartheid. Why do I say that? The evidence is clear for all to see. The economy is on its knees. Young black graduates 
roam the streets hopelessly. Inequality has widened. Racism is at an all-time high. Public schooling is broken. Public hospitals fail the poor and the vulnerable. Crucial infrastructure is in decay. But the one that keeps me awake at night is the fact that lawlessness is now epidemic. I'm back to you. Thank you very much, but some of the issues that you made reference to, um, one could argue that it's, it's an issue of leadership. We all acknowledge that we still have to do or deal with the remnants of apartheid. But be that as it may, one school of thought may argue that some of the incidents that we've seen have got nothing to do with apartheid. We've got nothing to do with, um, you know, remnants of, of the past. It has got to do in the main with poor leadership that which has been displayed. What would be your take on that? In fact, you're absolutely correct. So let me accelerate quickly to say one of the things that the shareholder must do, the shareholder must provide indisputable, dispassionate facts that we've got both a bloated public service and as a result, bloated SOEs and SOCs because they were bloated, not for service delivery, but for patronage. That what we need is a trimmed down, corruption-fighting cabinet. We need to continue to root out and defeat state capture to increase transparency and accountability. What we need is very clear and forced rule of law. We must fix the ESCOM crisis. We must reduce the government debt. We must accelerate the rate of transformation so that this economy looks like us sooner rather than later. We need to continue to facilitate the creation of jobs in large numbers. We must prioritize inclusive social economic growth. Lastly, we need to rededicate ourselves to huge infrastructure investment. Because even government has stopped investing in infrastructure. Because there is no doubt that when we have a rotten, useless, and incapable government, it cannot even begin to fix South Africa's challenges. Ndadembele, I'm back to you. Thank you very much, Ndadembele. But now that we have, we have pretty much summed up uh, what has been the crippling issues, what's your take on the current administration, particularly when you look at the economic cluster. Does that inspire confidence? Are we now able to say a Selimapos administration from the from the economic cluster point of view, we have men and women whose best interest or whose skill sets are our last hope in terms of taking the country out of this mess that we find ourselves in? It was the American scholar H. L. Mencken who reminded us that as democracy is perfected, the office of the president represents more and more closely the inner soul of the people. Therefore, we have a unique but nonetheless last chance through the advent of the new dawn for the president of the country to send a clear unequivocal message that says, I want to clean up.
I want to clear the deck and I want to communicate clearly and I want to focus on four or five few things that must be done as a matter of agency. Let me end by saying there was nothing wrong about Ubabu Pagamani Hadebe because this is the absolute best we have coming from National Treasury having successfully fixed the land bank. There was nothing wrong about Ubabu Vuyani Jahana, who had a stellar career at Vodacom and an amazing future. And he had the call to come and help at SAA. And his letter is very explicit about his frustration because in this world where we want to be globally competitive, there are only two types of companies. The quick and the day. You can't take nine months to make a decision and you call that good cooperative governance. You can't. I'm back to you, Ntatembe. Daddy Muhale, thank you very much for that uh, thought-provoking utterance that you have just made. Unfortunately, we won't have to leave it there. We don't have much time. Once again, it is always a pleasure to hear your voice, and I'm sure the listeners uh, would obviously have uh, food for thought in terms of where business sits and how business looks at the issues around the designations of what you have defined as two competent black leaders who were left dry as a result of the shareholders' incapability to address the dual mandate issue that you've pointed out. Have a wonderful evening.